remember what Amalek did to you in the road out of Egypt. Destroy the memory of Amalek. Never forget it. It's known the question that's asked about this, these words. This mitzvah is a mitzvah which is constant. And seemingly it's understood why we need to remember the war with Amalek after so much time has passed. We also need to understand it says that Amalek attacks you when you on the road out of Egypt. It sounds like that the war with Amalek is specifically connected with leaving Egypt. Got the questions? Question number one is, it's a constant mitzvah. And the question is, why is it so relevant today to remember this after such a long time has passed? Question number two is, it says, remember how Amalek attacked you when you left Egypt. It seems like Amalek attacked specifically on the road out of Egypt. What is that? The explanation of this is, as, it, as the Altarebbe writes in Torah or in the Sukh Torah portion, Parshas Tetzav and Parshas Zachar, says the Altarebbe, it says in the Torah, there's a war that Hashem has with Amalek from generation to generation. But this, this war is in every single generation, in every single Jewish soul. And that's the reason why this war is relevant to the, the exodus of Egypt, because just like we are constantly commanded to remember the exodus from Egypt every day, and not just every day, but twice a day by daytime and by nighttime, and this remembrance includes remembering the splitting of the Red Sea, we also command not just to remember leaving Egypt, but to remember the, the culmination of the exodus at the splitting of the Red Sea. So just like there's a, there's a mitzvah to always remember how we left Egypt, Similarly, there is also a mitzvah to commemorate what happened after we left Egypt, how Amalek made a war against us and makes a war against us in every single generation in the service of Hashem, of every single Jew. So, so far, we said is that the reason why it's relevant, the answer, answer to our question, it's relevant because it's not just a war that was a long time ago. It's a war that's in every single person. It's a war in every single generation. And we also answered our other question, or we started to answer the question, and we, had, we said that just like we're always supposed to remember how we left Egypt, every single day, twice a day. And so together with this is our mitzvah to remember Amalek who attacks us when we leave Egypt, as we'll see what that means. To explain what this means in our service of Hashem, the soul descended from above to below, and became vested in the, came dressed in the animal soul. And the body, which is similar to the body of Gentiles, the body of the Jew is similar to the body of Gentiles, as we were learning yesterday. And the theme of leaving Mitzrayim in our service of Hashem is to leave the boundaries and limitations, to leave the confines of the body in the animal soul. And the purpose of this exodus, to go out of the limitations of our body and animal soul, just like it was then was in order to get to the good and spacious land. So too, that's the purpose of our departure, of leaving the limitations of our body. This purpose of this is, is to reach perfection. Not just to leave um, Egypt and come to Eretz Yisrael, but to, to come to Eretz Yisrael in the Eretz Yisrael's, in Israel's perfect state. And before this, before we arrive in Eretz Yisrael, after we leave Egypt, there is this war against Amalek. So there's leaving limitations of the body. And when that happens, before you get to Israel, you have to fight against Amalek. 
To explain this, the author Rebbe, it begins the discussion in Torah or there's a rule. That you always begin a discussion with a blessing. You always begin a discussion with goodness. So the Rebbe begins this seemingly, you know, it's a negative thing, fighting with Hamolik. He begins this with a, uh, with a, a positive thing. A, uh, it begins with a verse in Song of Songs, chapter 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 9. I just want to get the total of that verse and give you an accurate translation. Okay. But didn't the, the song publish the, 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 the Shirachim? I'm sorry? The song publish have a Shirachim, do you think? Never looked at it. Still, man. Where would they have it? That's the question. See, the well, the Shmois, they have the Shmois, maybe? Uh, it has it, yes. Okay. So it says in a verse, chapter 4, verse 9, I said, right? What's Libaktanya Chesikalo mean? means as follows. Libaftini Achesikala. You captured my heart, my sister O'Brien. You captured my heart with but one of your virtues, with but one of the precepts that adorn you like beads of a necklace respondent. That Libaftini, you have captured my heart. So the Jewish people Knesset um, Yisrael. Knesset Yisrael refers to the source of the souls of the Jewish people. They are called the heart. Just like the heart is the main place for life, and from the heart, the spirit of life spreads to the whole body, as the Zohar says, that the, from the heart, it spreads out to all different directions, so to the source of the souls of the Jewish people which is called Knesset Yisrael, that is heart. And in the Jewish people itself, the, in, a Jew, in, a, in, in one specific, in, in, in each individual Jew, in other words, there is, <coughs> the word heart refers to the source of the Jewish people, but in every Jew himself, the word heart refers to the essence of the soul. And that's what Hashem means when He says, you have captured my heart, with one of your virtues, what's the one virtue that captures, so to speak, the heart of Hashem? This is the faith that every Jew has in Hashem. As it, as it says in the Talmud, that Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk, he said that although there are 613 commandments, but all these 613 commandments are all on based on one precept. As the Torah says, a tzaddik lives with this faith. So the faith in Hashem, as it says in Tanya, chapter 33, Al-Tabit says oh, that, that um, emunah, the faith you have in Hashem, that gives you such a joy that propels you over all limitations, both within and without, to keeping all terminus. That's why it's, the Habakkuk says that you can live with your faith. Literally, Al-Tabit says like resurrection of the dead. That's what he says in chapter 33. So this is the one thing that captures the heart of Hashem, so to speak. This is it's called one because it's 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 what all terminus is based on. So this is the meaning of you have captured my heart, my sister, my bride with one. 
this refers to the amuna that is in the deepest part of the heart. So it's not just saying Hashem, is not, Hashem it's not, doesn't, doesn't just mean that Hashem is saying, you've captured my heart. He's also talking about us, about the, uh, what's captured, so to speak, Hashem's heart. It's the one thing that's in our heart. The, the faith, the amuna we have, which is in the deepest part of the heart. But since the heart spreads, to, the, the blood that's in the heart spreads to all parts of the body, so to this faith, this amuna that we have in our heart, has to spread in all the limbs of the body, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, in our, all of your hearts, and all of your souls, and all of your might. So it's not just, though it's one, it's, it's something which is simple faith in Hashem, it has to spread. It's in the heart, and the heart sets blood to the whole of the body. So this emunah, which is in the deepest part of the heart, this faith in Hashem, has to spread in thought, speech, and action with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Until it reaches all in the 248 limbs of the body and all the 365 veins. And this is the theme of the exile of the, uh, in Egypt, that th- at that point, this deepest part of the heart was in exile. All it was was in a state of simple faith, but it didn't spread. They had the faith. As it says in the Talmud, the, Talmud, the Jewish people are, people are believers, children of believers. Even while they're in Egypt, they were still called believers, children of believers. But this, and that means, in addition to the fact that they are believers themselves, there's all, they're also children of believers. But that emuna, that faith that they had, that was in a state of smallness. This faith, this emuna, did not spread, did not reach all the limbs of the body, did not reach the thought and speech and action. And this is the theme of leaving Egypt spiritually, that the heart should spread to the rest of the body, that the emuna, that the faith in Hashem we have, it should, it should reach and shine in all areas in our life. But in this itself, there are two stages. There's an easier and there's a harder stage. Just like when we left Egypt. There was first the departure from Egypt. And then there was the entry into Israel. So too is this true spiritually in the service of Hashem. Leaving Egypt spiritually means eskafia. Skaf means subduing your urges to do the wrong thing, or subduing your urges that prevent you from doing the right thing, leaving your limitations, leaving your boundaries, subjugating evil. That means that the moon and Hashem, the faith you have in Hashem, spreads in all parts of your body in a way that it subdues your thoughts, your words, and your actions practically. That's step one. Leaving Egypt, step one is Skafia that you are in control with your faith in Hashem, that what guides your thoughts and words and actions and your movement is your faith in Hashem. But it's only regarding your practical behavior. As the altar of says in Tanya, that a Bainini has extraneous thoughts. He thinks about things he shouldn't think about. They enter his mind. And only he pushes them away with both hands, but they do enter his mind. The idea of entering the promised land, the idea of entering the good and spacious land, means transformation. The land is good, it's all good. That means it's a transformation, there's no negative things anymore. And more, another thing that's good about Israel is not just it's good, but it's also called a spacious land. That means that the good is not like it was in Egypt, where all there was was just a faith in Hashem that didn't affect the rest of the person. So, 
um, focus on this point for a second before, before we go further. We learned in a discourse a few months ago, the discourse about humility, where the Rebbe speaks about how we could have faith, but it's, it's a coarse faith. It means that you're like a, the thief who says, Hashem, please help me steal. And the more of a subtle form of that is that you don't really look at the things in your life and you say, this is Hashem talking to me. Like a vessel, you think about the Gemara. The Gemara says, I know. They're like, that's the way it's supposed to be. They look at the things going on in your life, the physical things going on, the, physical, the earthiest things that are going on in your life, not just the Torah, but everything is... To feel this is this is the Abish speaking to me. That's the idea of spreading the moon in every parts of our life, in every part of our life. So the first step to getting to Israel is leaving Egypt. That means that your Amuna spreads into and you and you and you do the right thing. But it's not just that. It's also coming to Israel, step two, that where where the Amuna spreads it's not just a good land, it's a spacious land that means that the Amuna spreads to the whole entire person. I never thought about this. Amazing, spacious land. What's what's, what's right. spacious land means that your your Indian that you have inside of you is spreads through your whole being. It's all good. Uh, it spreads to all details. And never adds the words and prati pratim and details of details. The most in, in the minutiae of your life, the muna is 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 there. That's the of transformation that all is transformed to good. And this is the order of Hashem, or the order of serving Hashem explained in Tanya. That before a person reaches the highest level, perfection in serving of Hashem, he does not he does not despise evil. He just does the right thing. He's careful in his thoughts and his words and his actions, and only then does he reach perfection, where he's able to say, as King David said, "My heart is hollow within me," meaning that he's able to say, "I'm loving Hashem with all your hearts, with both the Yitzhatov and the Yitzhar." So what's the difference between these two stages? What's the difference between these two ways? The difference between these two ways or stages is, is this something external or is this something deeper? When you're serving Hashem and you're just subduing the things that you, you're subduing and pushing, putting one foot on the other, that then, then that's called achrei hava. You're walking behind Hashem, meaning it's something which is external. You're not... You're serving Hashem in a way that's from the back, not from the inside. Because, and because you're, you're subduing evil inside of you, because you believe in Hashem, but it hasn't yet reached you inside. In other words, you inside this other stuff there. And that's what's bringing you to the wrong place. But you're, you're, you're walking behind Hashem, so to speak. You're not walking with, from, from your whole insides. There's a part that doesn't want to go inside you. There's a place that you say you don't want to go along with this, and your amuna is telling you, "No, you have to go this way." Your desire, your pleasure, your inside is somewhere else. There's still room for evil if you look at the inside of you. That your desire, what you desire, what you want, what you enjoy. As we said before, do you have extraneous thoughts? However, when you reach the good and promised land, that's the transformation. That means the inside has been transformed. The good, the, there's now a good desire and good pleasure. That, that, that that's, that's the Jew has been transformed. His desire and pleasure is in goodness and holiness. So just like we, when we left Egypt in the simple sense, there were these two stages. It went from what was easier to what was more difficult. First, we were in a state of subduing evil. And only then we reached a state of transfer, transforming evil to good so too is this true in our service of Hashem that our service of Hashem of subduing evil brings us to the transformation of evil. That first, you are forcing yourself. 
and then you are able to actually despise evil. But it's not perfect. You don't, you don't, you don't despise it absolutely. And then you reach a higher level where you absolutely despise evil completely. And that's the idea that we find. That when the Jewish people left Egypt, first it says they walked behind Hashem. Again, that, that means that, there's, that they're not walking with their face, not walking with their inside. But then they reached a point where they spoke to Hashem. Hashem spoke to them face to face. Until Hashem revealed Yudke Vavke, his, Hashem revealed His light and holiness in, inside every single Jew. So it was first leaving Egypt, forcing ourselves, our faith in Hashem, guiding us to do the right thing. Then we reached a higher state of despising evil, but not completely, until we reach a, the state of perfect and absolute despising evil. And then we're able to be face to face with Hashem. Hashem is speaking and revealing Himself inside the soul of Israel. However, Hashem made evil to mirror holiness. Hashem made evil the opposite of holiness. Just like there is a service of Hashem where you're just working in an external way. And then you reach the inside, then you're able to put your heart and, and desire in the service of Hashem. So too, is it possible there's also in Acharaim do Umazah. That there's something about the opposite of holiness that causes that you should not reach the inside and you should just stay in, with an external bond to Hashem and not put your heart and desire into it. The sun is a force that prevents you from trying, from getting into the inside. That's the meaning of Amalek. The word Amalek comes from the word Molak. Molak means to detach. As the Torah says about a sacrifice, Umolak Esreisha, you take the head off. So Amalek means to take the head off. That means the essence of Amalek is to separate the head and the body so that the faith in Hashem, which is, the, which is in, the, in the head, should not spread to all the limbs of the body, should not permeate the person internally. And that's why the Torah says about Amalek that it, Amalek attacks kol nachasholom acharecha. Amalek attacks those who are acharayim. Amalek attacks those who are only serving Hashem, who in, in the back, those who are in the back of the camp, which, which means that they're, they spiritually being in the back means they're serving Hashem in an external way. They're not, um, they're not uh, putting their uh, uh, heart into it. So Amalek is able to attack those people. That because they haven't yet reached a state where there is a transformation inside, therefore Amalek can attack them. And that's the meaning of Amalek's attack specifically when you leave Egypt. That the idea of the war of Amalek is when you're leaving Egypt on the road to the good and spacious land. Because you have not, not yet reached the spacious land, because you have not yet transformed evil to good, so there's room for Amalek to attack. That although in your head, although you have your faith in Hashem perfectly, however, Amalek is able to separate the head so that it should not enter the rest of the limbs of the body. As it says in the Mishnah, in Tractate Alois, about the 248 limbs of the body, that in the head itself there are many limbs. These are neurosensory pathways. Okay. So I think the point is is that it's 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 possible 
in the head itself that things are are understood. And in other words, the spiritual yeah. counterpart of this is that it's possible that the understanding and the faith in Hashem is is reaching deeper. Many limbs in the in the brain. Yeah, the head. So um, it seems like Rebbe speaking about um, even within the mind, different levels, sure. different different more subtle forms of a malik. Right. Not just that a malik um, separates the head and the rest of the body, um, and it doesn't explain what he's referring to. Yeah, what, I mean, what what this is how this is relevant. But um, years ago, I mean, Freud described this as uh, ego, super ego, and id. Uh, id is the the animal self that controls your wild thoughts. It's truly descriptive. Mm. Amen. Okay. It says about a Malik. That's, the the says about Amalek, he knows his creator, and he deliberately rebels against his creator. So Amalek knows his creator. I mean, in his head, everything's perfect. However, he still rebels against his creator. And that means that, he, that what that means practically is, in, 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 uh, for Amalek, there was a person, there was a nation that did that. They went against Hashem. But on a personal level, that means you know, you believe in Hashem. It doesn't affect your action. Actually, the previous ever once described this about answering Amin. You go to Shul. And you talk to her in Kaddish. <laughs> That's Amalek. Why is that Amalek? You know you're supposed to answer Kaddish. Why are you answering Kaddish? Mm-hmm. You know you're supposed to. So what's missing? Your Amunah and Hashem doesn't really translate to your action. Okay. So in more of a subtle form of knowing Hashem and rebelling against Him is that you're only, more of a subtle form of that is that you're serving Hashem only with subduing evil, but you haven't put your heart into it. You haven't become... Um, transformed inside to be face to face and put your whole heart in service to Hashem. In a way, that's also called rebelling against Hashem. Why? Because since you have left Egypt and you've saw, you've seen the miracles, you've seen the splitting of the Red Sea. The, this revelation should have caused that immediately you arrive in the good and spacious land. And why are you still in a state of achorayim? Why are you still serving Hashem in an external way? That's a subtle form of rebelling against Hashem. In halacha, it says that if you're in front of a king and you make a slightest movement, that's considered rebelling against the king. Since you're in front of the king, that even the slightest thing of making a movement against the king is considered rebellion. So too, because you're, you've seen all the miracles of the part of the excess of Egypt, seeing all those miracles should have motivated a, a higher and deeper connection to Hashem that you put your heart into. And the fact that you have put your heart into it that in a way is a molek that you're, that you're still staying at a distance. You're not, you're not putting your heart into it. Because see, you're in front of the king. Why are you moving away? Why, why is there this resistance? So this is the theme of the war against a molek in a service of Hashem every day. 
that Hashem made one opposite of the other, good opposite of evil, in order that we should have free choice. That by choosing good with free choice, you're able to ascend from the descent that a Molech brings to becoming face-to-face with Hashem. Instead of there being the Molech in your life, who is causing you to rebel against Hashem, you're able to go to the good and spacious land, you're able to be bepnimius depnimius, that inside of you, deep inside of you, the inside within the inside, should be dedicated, should be open-hearted to Hashem. And that's the reason why after the war against Amalek, it says in the Torah, that Yisrael came, what did Yisrael hear that motivated him to come to, to, the, to the Jewish people? He heard about the splitting of the Red Sea in the war with Amalek. And through Yisrael's arrival, the Jewish people were able to get the Torah. And when we got the Torah, Hashem said to every single Jew, I am the Lord your God, that Hashem revealed Himself inside the host, every single Jew. And more, through free will, we're able to transform the evil of Amalek himself. As it says in the Gemara, that the grandchildren of Haman, um, the, Hashem gave us free will. And because... There's a, war, why did, there's, a war against, there's a war against Amalek, and Hashem made there to be Amalek, so we should have free will. And because Hashem has given us free will, we're able to accomplish something amazing. What can we accomplish that's amazing? We could transform the clip of Amalek. As the Gemara says, that the grandchildren of Haman taught Torah in public. Then Haman ben Amdas he was the seed of Amalek and the seed of Esau, and, and yet his grandchildren themselves were transformed to teach Torah in public. And similarly, we affect the Pari sent the people out of Mitzrayim. The Pari himself was transformed to good. And through serving Hashem in all these areas, we're able to actually fulfill the mitzvah of remembering Amalek in the simple sense. Until we reach the second stage, that the destruction of their memory of Amalek, speedily mamish, that the, the, the Jewish people will do three mitzvahs. When they enter into Israel, they will make, they'll appoint themselves a king, they'll destroy Amalek, and they'll build the Beis HaMikdash in Yushalayim, in the holy city, in the holy mountain, the coming of Mashiach Tzakeinu, and speedily mamish, mamish, mamish. Yeah, yeah. I didn't make that up, that's in the script. Record it, mamish, mamish, mamish. Okay. Wait a they appoint a king. They destroy oh, yeah. They, they appoint a king, they destroy a mountain, they build a descendant. That's those three mitzvahs. Yeah, yeah. Good to remember it, it's Mem Ayin Bey stands for my gracious creation, new world order. Mechaim. Uh,